Always good to be in prior, and uh, I enjoy the change of scenery. Get tired of looking at them old Tahlequah people all the time. But uh, anyway, we miss our pastor, but he needs some time away, and so good for him to get away and enjoy some vacation time. And so uh, I don't know. I, well, I'm, I'm I'm preaching Wednesday night at Tahlequah, so I know he's supposed to be gone until at least that long, but. Anytime he goes somewhere, it never surprises me if he comes back early because he's, he's one of them kind of, once he's gone for a little while, he's worried whether everything's going to get taken care of back at home or usually back home. So uh, he's done that to me several times. He's had me scheduled to preach, and then he'll show up a day early, and he'll say, well, it'd be all right if I, <clears throat> be all right if I go ahead and just come tonight and just listen to you preach. And I said, man, I'd rather hear you preach. But uh, I said, you you probably make me nervous, but that's all right. It's all right, Lord. Lord will still be good to us. So uh, Nick, ain't no, ain't no telling. Uh, he's supposed to be gone at least past Wednesday, but we'll see how things work out. We're going to look to Exodus chapter number 10 in just a moment. Exodus chapter number 10. <clears throat> I heard about this lady lived there, lived off that just country. People lived off out in the country, and her and her husband they got saved, hadn't been saved very long, and they still hadn't really, still hadn't really worked out all them old ways that they used to live, and uh, had had three old rough, tough cowboy or uh, uh, country kids, three boys, Jimmy, Bobby, and Johnny, and uh, they're still pretty rough. And uh, one Saturday, the mama told them, "Now listen, tomorrow after church, said I've invited the pastor to come over and have Sunday dinner with us." And said, y'all need to be on your best behavior. And I mean, you better behave. You better do what you're supposed to do. Matter of fact, said, I don't want none of that slang talk, no, no bad language, nothing like that while the, while the preacher's here. We want to, we want to put on a, uh, our best put, foot forward for him while he's here. So you all better be on your best behavior and behave. So boy, the next day they got up, went to church. They come home from church and the pastor came home and with them and going to have Sunday. And so man, they got in there in the dining room, got set down at the table and she asked the, Pastor to ask the blessing, and he did. And after he asked the blessing, she turned over to Jimmy, and she said, Now, Jimmy, said, what can I get you? He said, I want some of them dad burned potatoes. She just, she didn't say a word. She just looked at her husband, gave him the nod. Man, he yanked Jimmy up and took him out behind the house. I mean, just wore him out. He come back into the table, you know, <laughs> got back and sat down, you know, and she looked over at Bobby. He said, Now, Bobby, what can I get you? He said, I want some of them dad burned potatoes. And once again, she didn't say a word. She looked at her husband, gave him the nod. Boy, he yanked Bobby up, took him out behind the house and just gave him a whooping. Brought him back in. He come back in a sniffling and holding the seat of his britches and everything, you know. And he got set back down. She looked over at Johnny. He said, Johnny, what can I get you? He said, well, I know one thing. He said, I don't want none of them dad burned potatoes. <laughs> well... Do us a lot of good sometimes if we'd learn things the first time instead of God having to teach us to us two or three times. I mean, pay attention. Matter of fact, if you pay attention, sometimes you can learn from other people's mistakes and you won't have to go through it. So uh, let, we'll pay attention to the Lord today and try to try to learn what it is that He's trying to teach us, all right? Now, some of you, I, don't, I haven't heard this in several years, so some of you young people want to know what I'm talking about. I should have, I guarantee you, Brother Bob could have played it on the guitar if I'd asked him to. I didn't even think about it, but. Used to be a real familiar tune you'd hear. Sound like an old, an old guitar with the, maybe the 
frets was frets was a little little off or something, little little loose or something. We got kind of a twangy guitar would play, and they had this little catchy slogan. And Motel Six had this little song. It was da 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 da. Had a fiddle come in there, and their spokesman was. Tom Bodette, and had his simple, smooth voice, and he would say, come to Motel 6, we'll leave the light on for you. And that was kind of their motto, that we'll leave the light on for you. So we're going to look into Exodus chapter number 10, verse number 21. Lord helps me this morning, I'm going to try to preach a message to you this morning on God will leave the light on for you. Exodus chapter number 10, and verse number 21, I got to listen to the service from Tahlequah this morning while I was driving up. And I don't get to do that very often, but I got to listen. Brother Brother Dave preached a great message on the light down there. So I guess the Lord, Lord's dealing with us about the light today. And to, two totally different messages, but uh, his message was great too, and I enjoyed that. And verse number 21, if you will. It said, The Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness... Over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. I tell you, now, light can be a precious commodity if you have to do without it. If you ever fumbled around in your house looking for the flashlight whenever the power goes out, you know what I'm meaning. And, uh, man, it, it you seem like a, you don't realize how dark it is, especially if you live out in the country till the lights go out and the neighbor's lights go out and you can't, and there's nobody, got, nobody up and down the road's got, got any power. And, I mean, it's dark. And uh, in Exodus chapter number 10 here, we've read of, one of the final plagues that the Lord unleashed on Egypt in order to free his people from their bondage. <clears throat> there had been previous plagues that had included locusts and frogs and disease. But this plague here just simply involved darkness. That's all it was. In verse 21 it says, The Lord, <clears throat> Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt. It says, Even darkness which may be felt. Well, that's pretty thick darkness. I've been, in, I've, I've, I've had some darkness like that a few times in my life where it just, it seemed like it was so dark. You almost could just have to feel your way through and you could feel like you almost like you was moving the darkness out of the way. You're just walking through it. And I believe that's, that's the kind of darkness it must have been. I don't know. Uh, the Bible doesn't really get, tell us exactly how this occurred. I mean, I don't know if, if God just allowed a really thick fog or something to literally come in there so thick. Uh, that they just, it was, it was like just pitch black. I don't know what it was, but either way, it was, it was a darkness that he said it was so thick. It's almost like you could feel it. Matter of fact, the whole country came to a stop in the grip of the darkness. Bible says that during that time, they didn't do, they didn't do it. They didn't leave their house. They didn't, didn't get out and do anything because it was too dark. In verse 23, we find something interesting though that happened in the midst of this darkness. It says, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Now, all of Egypt 
is in a darkness so thick that they can't even leave their houses, can't get out and do anything because it's completely dark. But God left the light on for his children. This story from Exodus reminds us of a situation in our world today, I believe. Man, I mean, it's, there's much darkness. I mean, you look out and see the spiritual condition of our country today. And it's a dark, it's a dark world. There's a darkness that's over our country. I mean, I, I know it's a, uh, I know it, we're probably not as bad as it has been before in the world, even though it seems awful to us right now. But I mean, you got to remember back in Noah's day, it was so, it was so bad that God was ready to destroy the whole mess. He's ready to get rid of all of them and ended up out of the, out of the only thing he didn't destroy. Only people he didn't destroy was, was Noah's family. So, I mean, it, so it, was, it was very bad back in the days of Noah, but I would have to say today that if we're not as bad as the days of Noah, we're probably getting pretty close because it's a dark, dark world that we live in today, spiritually speaking. But I want you to notice that in our world today, even though there's much darkness, that God has left the light on for his people. And I want you to notice, first of all, there's a place that's smothered in darkness. As a result of Pharaoh's hardened heart, God continued to plague the land of Egypt. And, and in the next to last plague here, God turns the lights out on the entire land of Egypt. Egypt became a place that was completely smothered in darkness. And I believe that's a place that speaks to us of the world in which we live in today. I want you to notice a couple things about this place that was smothered in darkness. First of all, I want you to notice the reach of the darkness. Verse 22 tells us that there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt. I want you to notice it, it says it was in all of the land of Egypt. It didn't say part of it, most of it. it. said this darkness was in all of the land of Egypt. I mean, there was not a single corner of that country, not a single foot of the land that was not covered by a thick, gloomy darkness. I mean, from the palace of Pharaoh to the pyramids, the land was completely enveloped in a total darkness. But while Egypt was covered in a physical darkness, in much the same way our society is covered in a spiritual darkness today, spiritually most people live in darkness today. The spiritual darkness stretches from the jungles of Africa to the mansions of Beverly Hills. I mean, people everywhere that you and I can look today are gripped in a spiritual darkness. John 1, 5, John described the birth of Jesus into the world. And he said, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. You see, those without Christ live in spiritual darkness. I mean, it don't matter whether they're kings of this world it don't matter whether they're citizens of some third world country that don't have hardly anything. Every one of them are all the same without Christ because without Christ, their life is covered by darkness. A man named Doug Murray is a pastor and a ministry strategist. He made some comments at a recent conference and he said that he believed that only 10% of the people who die in the United States each year are truly born again Christians. I don't know how he came up with those statistics. And I don't know whether you might agree with them or not. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised, though, but not he's right. 
I mean, even though you'll, you'll see surveys that are done that'll claim that maybe, I think it's down to where now that's barely over 50%, if it is 50% of them in America that even claim to be Christian. But even if it's 50% of America that claims to be Christians, you gotta realize what all that entails. In, in a, a normal survey, I mean, that, that, if they just call themselves Christian or belong to what they would say is a Christian denomination, they would call themselves Christian. But out of, even if there's 50% that are saved or, or that are, they say they're Christians, I, it would not surprise me if only actually 10% of the population is truly born again because many of those people that claim to be Christians have no idea what being, being saved is all about. I mean, many, I, I used to, uh, uh, several years ago, I worked for a funeral home <clears throat> And um, and I was a business office manager for a funeral home corporation, but I would go out and help them with the, the funeral services. And I mean, I was, I mean I've, I've done funerals in all types of different churches. And I can tell you right now, we were in a lot of different churches that called, they would be considered Christian churches today. But you could tell by the messages even that was preached at the funerals, it, the truth was not preached there. I mean, there, how many churches that tell you that they would call themselves several of those, those denominations. They, they would say they're a Christian church. I mean, I'd go to those funerals. That pastor would get up and talk about the one that was there that was deceased. And, and, and some of those denominations, they never said one word about them accepting Christ. They would say, we know they're in heaven because they were baptized as a baby into the faith. They weren't baptized into anything when they was a baby because they didn't know, they didn't know they was a sinner. They didn't know how to accept Jesus. You gotta to come to a place in your life where you realize you're lost and you realize that you need a savior and you realize that Jesus died for you. So a lot of those people that really claim to be Christians are probably not even saved because they've not even been taught what being saved is all about. But I'm telling you today, whatever the percentage might be in America of how many people are truly born again, I'd still have to say that I believe in America, spiritually speaking, we are in, we are, we are over, overwhelmingly in a world of darkness when it comes to spiritual things. Matter of fact, it reaches throughout the whole land, just like it did there in Egypt. But I want you to notice something else about this place that was smothered in the darkness. Not only the reach of the darkness, but number two, notice the result of the darkness. Verse 23 tells us the results of this plague of darkness. It says, they saw not one another... Neither rose any from his place for three days. I mean, that, that thick darkness that descended on Egypt completely debilitated the people of that land. They couldn't see to move, so they just did nothing because they couldn't see how to get around. In much the same way, I believe that spiritual darkness is debilitating to those who are bound by it here in our world today. I mean, a person that's in spiritual darkness can do nothing about their spiritual condition. If they're in darkness, they can't help themselves. I mean, in all reality, they, they can make no moves towards God. They can make no moves towards others. They are spiritually bound by the darkness of their condition. Proverbs 4.19 says, The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. A person in spiritual darkness can go nowhere spiritually. I mean, there's no recovery, no reform. They can only sit in their darkness. I mean, why does the drug addict return to the needle that's destroying him? Why does the alcoholic return to the bottle that'll kill him? It's the result of their darkness. I mean, the darkness prevents them from moving out of their condition. Just as Egypt was covered in a darkness, 
that kept his people from moving. Our society is gripped by a spiritual darkness that imprisons them and it prevents them from moving towards God. I couldn't help but notice this week with the one-year anniversary of the shooting that took place up at the hospital in Tulsa, a lot of, there was a lot of stories done about that uh, in the last few days on, on the local news channels. And I couldn't help but notice where they had a big <clears throat> they had a big demonstration that was put together, and they were showing it last night on the news, where a demonstration about uh, getting rid of gun violence. And they <clears throat> they had their signs, you know, that said, said, we can eliminate gun violence. And I thought to myself, not by any government program, not by any regulations. You're not, going, you're not going to get rid of gun violence by any kind of regulation or laws or anything like that. I mean, the only thing that's going to change, get rid of gun violence is going to be a change of the heart of people. Because the problem is not guns. You, look, you go look at some of these European countries where they've really cracked down and, and made it hard for people to get guns. And they start having stabbings on the street from knives. I mean, it's just it's the, the problem that we see in America is because of the hearts of wickedness of people without Christ. Well, I want you to notice a couple of things about these people that were saved from the darkness. Number one, they were the people of the Lord. Verse 23 tells us that all the children of Israel had light. There's a people that's saved from darkness, not just smothered in darkness, but there's a people that's saved from darkness. There's one group of people there, though, and even though the whole land was covered in that darkness, all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. The palaces of Egypt were smothered in darkness. Isn't that amazing how that, in that particular instance, all the well-to-do and the society people, they were in darkness, but who was really slaves? They were the Egyptian people, the uh, the Egyptian people had the children of Israel as slaves. So you might call it the slave quarters of Israel. They had light and the land was dark. But those among the children of Israel had light. You know, in our society today, again, it's very dark. But there's those that have the light in their dwellings. And just as in Egypt, God has saved some from the darkness. Again, that first of all, they're, they're the people of the Lord. I mean, they might have been the slaves of Egypt, but they were the people of the Lord. And because they belonged to the Lord, they had light when nobody else did. <clears throat> For those three days in Egypt, light belonged not to the wealthy, not to the royalty, but only to those who belonged to the Lord. Israel had light in their dwellings simply because of their relationship to a holy God. In our dark world, light's not going to be found simply through education, even though education is good. Light isn't going to be given to those who could earn it through their efforts. Light is going to be given today, in today's world, just like it was in Egypt's world, it's going to be given to those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the light, and he, and he belongs to only those who have trusted in him. Ephesians 5.14, Paul said, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. <clears throat> Many in our society today feel like 
Christians are the unenlightened ones of the world. I mean, they, they would look at you and I, they, these highly educated people, and that some of them are atheists, or some of them don't even know what they are, but some of those people that think they're so smart, they look at people like you and I and think we're weak. They look at, oh, they're, they're those weak ones that gotta have something, <clears throat> they gotta have something that they can trust. Because they don't know any better and they, they believe there's a God. They, they would look at us and say, oh, they're the ones that's in the dark. They've, they've not been enlightened by all the knowledge that we have. But the reality is that those who know the Lord Jesus Christ are the only ones that truly have any light. It's the people of the Lord that are saved from darkness. <clears throat> Every four years, the <clears throat> Olympic Games are begun by the traditional carrying of the torch and a select few people are called upon to carry the torch and hand it off to the next person until the last one finally lights the Olympic flame and the games are officially underway. Now, in this world that we're living in, in the spiritual darkness that we're surrounded by, there's a select few in this world who are given the light. Now, most of the people that carry that physical torch for the Olympics are usually some type of athletes or celebrities or something like that that's got some significance in the world's eyes. But I sure am glad today that it comes to the spiritual darkness. God didn't say that I've got to be a good athlete. I've got to be a celebrity. I'm glad God said anybody that is willing to come humbly before me and just admit that they, they're a sinner and they need the light. And come to me and ask for it. I'll give them the light. I mean, the ones that's carrying the light today in this world are just simply the people of God. Those who know Christ have been saved from the darkness. But I want you to notice something else about the people that are saved from the darkness. Notice, not only are they the people of the Lord, but notice they're the people with the light. As we've seen from verse 23 of our text today, only people in the entire, the only people in the entire land of Egypt with light were the children of Israel. I mean, the slaves of Egypt had something that not even the Pharaoh had. They had light. When all of Egypt was in darkness, Israel had the light. When we compare ourselves again to Israel, we realize that we're, how blessed we are with the light of life through the Lord Jesus Christ. We're reminded, though, of how important our role is in this darkened world. Yeah, God did leave the light on for us. He's, got, he's, he's left light, the light of the world himself, for you and I that have come to him. But we've got to realize that <clears throat> if we've got the light, if we've got the only light that's in this darkened world, we've got a responsibility to try to share that light. See, the schools don't have the light. Stock market doesn't have the light. The government doesn't have the light. Only the children of Jesus Christ have the light in this world. And if our dark world's ever going to see the light, it's going to be the light that we show them. I mean, we are the people of the Lord. We're the people with the light. I like the old song that says, Send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine forevermore. I mean, being the people in the world with the light carries some responsibilities. And we got we have to shine into the darkness of our society 
and we need to send the light. I want you to notice something else from this text. Not only we see a place that's smothered in darkness, a people that's saved from darkness, but I want you to notice thirdly, and finally this morning, there's a power that's stronger than the darkness. While all of Egypt was in darkness, God gave light to his people. We're reminded that, see, God has power over the darkness of this world. A.W. Pink said, the Egyptians had a darkness which they could not light up. And Israel had a light that they could not put out. I'm telling you today, there's nothing that can happen to you in this world. If you're a child of God, you're born again. There's nothing this world can do to you to put out the light that's in you. And you can try to cover it yourself by, by, by not sharing it. <clears throat> but they can't put your light out. Because they're not the one that gave you the light. I mean, the darkness permeated all of Egypt, but the light of God still shined in the homes of his people. I mean, he is the power that's stronger than the darkness. I want you to notice a couple things about this power, and we'll be done this morning. It's a power that's stronger than the darkness. Number one, God created the light. If you look, if you were to look back in Genesis chapter one, in verse number three, you'd see that it says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. See, before God spoke these words, there was no light in this world. Darkness covered the earth like the land of Egypt during this plague. Yet with one command, all it took was one command from God, and the light burst forth and overcame the darkness. Light, both physical and spiritual, are the work of the Lord today. You and I have light now because of his creating power. I know when Edison may have created the light bulb, but God created the light. When I see that God is the creator of light, I'm reminded of a precious truth this morning. There's those who wonder whether or not the work of sharing the gospel in a dark world is going to succeed. They wonder if the light will reach those who are in darkness. Like all I can tell you today is if God's light is not going to do it, then nothing else will. Because there's not any power any stronger than, than the light of, of Jesus Christ, the light of God. I see he's the creator of the light. To those that wonder, you need to remember the light's God. He created it. And it's not the light of the church. I know we, and the church is important. The Bible says it was so important that Christ died for the church. He gave his life for the church. It's important. But the light that we have to offer that's going to change the darkness in this world is not the light of the church. We're just a reflection of the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, he's the light, and we're just reflecting that light into this dark world. You know, I'm glad I can share the gospel with confidence, knowing that I'm not shining a man-made light into the darkness. I mean, I can share the gospel with somebody knowing that it's not me, it's not the church. It's the only thing I can share with them that's of any value that's going to help them is sharing the light that is created by him. It's his light. You know, mankind has tried to enlighten themselves and, and tried to figure everything out on his own. I mean, Darwinism has flickered and humanism has flared, materialism has flamed, socialism has flashed. 
But all of these are man-made synthetic lights. And those things will never overcome the darkness of our day. But the light of the gospel is God's light. It's the true light that forces out of the darkness of sin and self. And never forget today that God's the one that created the real light. Something else about this power that's stronger than the darkness. I want you to notice, not only God created the light, but notice God controls the light. See, this light was removed from Egypt, but yet it remained in the houses of the Israelites. That shows me that God was in control of where and when the light would shine. When I see God's control of the light, I'm reminded of another very different truth about the light. When I feel sometimes that I'm in the dark regarding my own life, I must remember that God controls the light. There's going to be some times in your life when you're going to go through some dark times. It's not like that all-consuming darkness that Egypt had. There's going to be some times, though, in your life, and and even though you're saved... And it's going to seem like you're in the dark because you don't understand what God's doing. You don't may not even see, see where God's working. You may get to the place where I can't even see where God's doing anything in my life right now. You need to remember that God's in control of the light. And if you're going through a dark period of your life right now, just remember, God controls the light. And when God, when God knows that the time is right for you to be able to See, he'll, he'll give you the light. I mean, just wait on God and in his time, he'll reveal it to you. I mean, he'll, he'll give you direction and he'll provide it. Many times we think we just got to be moving all the time. And if, amen, when you get in a place of darkness and you don't know what you ought to do, the best thing you do is don't do anything but trust him. I mean, if God hadn't shown you where to go, you better stay put till he does. And once God shows you, then you can follow through with what he's called you to do. I mean, this morning, do you feel like you're in the dark? Does the work of God seem unclear maybe in your life right now? Just remember, he's in control of the light, and you will see clearly whenever he decides to show you. I remember back in 1997, the world was shocked by the death of Princess Diana. In the early morning hours of August 31st of that year, the princess died in a Paris hospital following a terrible car crash. And according to Princess Diana's psychic, this was not supposed to happen. Just a few weeks before her death, the princess and her boyfriend had visited Rita Rogers, who was a psychic in Chesterfield, England, and they had told some of their closest friends that that psychic had given her good news regarding her future. Only thing was, was she was depending on something that didn't know. She's trusting somebody to tell her about the future that didn't know the future. Just 19 days after they were at that psychic's place and she was telling her all these good things that was going to take place in her life, 19 days later she's dead. You see, only God's going to be able to give you direction in your life. He's the creator. He's the controller of the light. You need to look to him for guidance and direction when you feel like you're in the dark. See, this plague of darkness that covered Egypt for three days, it speaks to us 
speaks to us of the darkness that covers our whole world. It speaks of the light that only God can give. Today, men are in the dark. But God's given us a light. And with that light that he's given us, we can overcome the darkness of this world. You've heard, I know, I've heard Rob mention it myself, so I know you've heard him too. That the darker the world is, the brighter our light shines. And as a child of God, it sure is good to know that no matter what takes place in this world around us, no matter how dark it gets, I sure am glad I can tell you this morning, you're a child of God, God's going to leave light on for you. He's always going to leave a way out. He's always going to leave a way that you and I can just trust and depend on Him. And He's going to see us through. Let's all stand together. We'll have a verse of invitation. I don't know what you're going through this morning. Maybe God's spoken to your heart about being a better witness and sharing the light better. Maybe you've got the light and you know you've got the light, but you've just not been sharing the light like you ought to. Maybe you want to come down here and kneel at this altar and just ask the Lord to help you to be a better steward of the light that he's given you. Or maybe you're here this morning you've never you've never had the light. You've never asked, had a time in your life when you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior and give you that light. And we'd be glad to take a Bible and show you how to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here today and you know you're saved. You've got the light, but... Maybe you're going through a dark time in your life when you've kind of become discouraged and you just, I mean, sometimes you've almost, you've almost wondered, is God still there? It seems so dark right now. I can't see, I don't even, I can't even see that God's there right now. I, just, I know he's, he, His Word says He'll be there, but I just can't feel Him. I can't, I can't see any, any work going on in my life that He's doing anything. Maybe you need to come down here and just kneel at this altar and say, Lord, I ask you to just help me to trust you more. Lord, help me to re- realize that, Lord, you're, you're still here. The light's still here because I belong to you. I just need to trust you more. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the message you gave us today and pray that you'll bless it. Pray that you'll help it to uh, be a help to somebody in the days that lie ahead. Just let, I pray you'll use the Holy Spirit to, to work in people's hearts and people's lives, even in the days that lie ahead. And you'll bring back some remembrances of different things maybe that you spoke to them about through the message today lord help it'll it'll still be a help and an encouragement to them and if there's anybody here today that does not know you as lord and savior lord i pray you'll give them the courage to step out this morning and ask you to come into their heart lord these things we ask in your name amen you come this morning god's spoken to your heart